from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, thanks for tuning in for this Monday edition of Washington Watch. Coming up, search and rescue efforts continued throughout the weekend in the wake of Hurricane Ian. We've been to just about every address at least once, and now the CFO's office with his teams are going back and doing a second look at every single location. That was Kevin Guthrie, director of the Florida Division of Emergency Management. A little later, we'll be joined by Franklin Graham, president and CEO of Samaritan's Purse, which is already at work in Florida. And our military today is under assault from the radical left. If we focus on the wrong priorities, then Americans will be a lot less safe. We'll use the right pronouns, but what we won't have is the capacity to keep our country safe. That was an ad just launched by former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo taking on the Biden administration's woke ideology that is a witch's brew, threatening the effectiveness of our military and our nation's security. Mike Pompeo joins us in just a moment. On Thursday, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a measure into law that would have made the leaders of Sodom and Gomorrah blush. This would allow for young children with gender dysphoria in other states to come to California to undergo life-changing procedures without their parents' consent. Think about that. And was Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt recently at the Prevote Stand Summit in Atlanta explaining what this measure would do. We'll talk about it with Jonathan Keller, president of the California Policy Council, a little later here on Washington Watch. Also, the attacks on pro-life centers, churches, and other Christian organizations have not been limited to the fire bombs and the vandalism. Cyber attacks are also growing in frequency. Now, how is the Department of Justice responding to these efforts targeting Christian ministries? Maybe a better question is, are they responding? Kentucky Congressman James Comer, the ranking member on the House Oversight Committee, is here with an answer. And finally, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled in favor of a Texas judge that opens his court every morning with voluntary prayer from local clergy. Now, the anti-Christian organization Freedom From Religion Foundation They blasted the ruling, saying this is just another example of Christian nationalism. That's interesting. They should ask the Jewish rabbi and the Muslim cleric, who also opened the court in prayer, about that. We're going to talk with Jeremy Dice, special counsel for litigation and communications for First Liberty, who represented Judge Wayne Mack in court. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you happen to miss anything, it's all archived right there, plus uh, resources and contact information for all of our guests today. The word for today comes from 1 Kings chapter 6, verses 11 through 13. Then the word of the Lord came to Solomon, saying, Concerning this temple which you are building, if you walk in my statutes, execute my judgments, keep all my commandments, and walk in them, then I will perform my word with you, which I spoke to your father David, and I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. You know, it wasn't the house of God that would determine their future, as the prophet Jeremiah later warned the people before the fall of Jerusalem. Do not trust in these lying words, he said. The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. You see, they believed those lying words that as long as they had the temple in their midst, they were safe and sound. They found out differently. It's not about a building or even an organization. It's about a personal, life-transforming relationship with God. To find out more about our Bible reading plan, go to frc.org Bible. Last week, 
Russian President Vladimir Putin declared that his country had annexed four regions of Ukraine. Within hours, Ukraine celebrated retaking several sections of the Russians' illegal occupation. And yesterday, the leaders of nine European NATO nations issued a joint statement endorsing a path to NATO membership for Ukraine. They also called on all 30 NATO nations to boost military aid for the country under siege. So what do these developments mean for Russia and Ukraine moving forward? Join me now to discuss this, as well as his new campaign targeting wokeness in our military, is former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Secretary Pompeo, welcome back to the program. Tony, it's great to be with you. I especially loved your word today. Well, thank you. Let me I want to get into your ad campaign because I think it is so needed as we see our military continuing to miss their recruiting goals. But I want to first get your thoughts on the latest developments in Ukraine with uh, Russia. Well, we're at a, a very uh, a dangerous moment for sure. Uh, the Ukrainians are making continued advances in the south and in the east, taking back some of the places that Vladimir Putin claimed were annexed and which he asserted he wouldn't permit to be in any other than Russian sovereign hands. And he has uh, raised the specter of using his tactical nuclear weapons to protect and defend that. I hope the administration has communicated very clearly, privately, to the Russians precisely what will be imposed upon them, what the cost will be if they should head down that path, uh, and has made clear to them, too, that there is a path, a solution forward, which can avoid that calamity. Uh, we, we have to both create diplomatic space but also be clear about our continued resolve to defend the Ukrainians or allow the Ukrainians to defend themselves and provide them the tools to do so. If we do each of those two things, we can escape this moment in a way that will reflect the best of America. I think it's important, as you said, a diplomatic solution here, because it appears to me that Putin is boxed in. I mean, he doesn't have many options at this point. It's absolutely true. This has been an enormous failure, uh, an unanticipated one, I'm sure. I'm sure his generals have let him down in deep and important ways. And now you can see uh, they're having to call up conscripts, and there's a lot of Russians who don't want to go fight in this crazy war of aggression, this attack on Europe. Uh, so it, it requires both a uh, both a solution, which uh, is almost always the case. And I think Zelensky has said this will end in the form of a diplomatic outcome. But it needs to be made clear to Vladimir Putin that he can't uh, he can't use these uh, nuclear tools. He can't act out in a way that would be inconsistent with that kind of resolution. There, there is a path forward. I'm, I'm hedging my words because I want to give the Biden administration all the space to go create the outcome, but make no mistake about it. Um, we, we, we were too slow. We didn't deter Vladimir Putin. We now find ourselves in this incredibly difficult and dangerous place. Yeah. Uh, what is uh, enlightening, though, is we now, we now know that Russia was really had no uh, really nothing behind all of Putin's bravado. Uh, his military easily rolled over by uh, by Ukraine. Quite amazing. You know, you and I both served during the Cold War period when Russia was the uh, really the big dog, the one that we were most concerned about. But now we see uh, that they're just not they're not there. He's lost a lot no. of credibility, almost all credibility. No, it's it's very true. Uh, both both the stuff we could see the their inability to move forces on the ground, their inability to capture the air, take control of the airspace, and their ability to conduct cyber operations in ways that, that I would have thought that they could. Now, they, they have clearly been diminished in, in their own eyes and in the eyes of the world. And I think Vladimir Putin now is trying to figure out um, how do you maintain some space, some respect, when it is still the case that he deeply believes that the dissolution of the Soviet Union was a deep wrong to the Russian people and wants to rectify that. 
Yeah. Well, of course, we've got to keep our eye on China, which I think is a greater threat. And, of course, we have Iran, which you've spoken out uh, quite frequently about. Uh, and we could talk about those. But I want to get into, I think, an underlying issue, and that is the readiness of our nation's military, how it is being weakened by this uh, wokeness that's being thrust onto our military. This is of a great concern to you as a as a West Point grad, as a Army officer. And by the way, I like the commercial because you had the Marine Corps monument behind you there in the uh, in the commercial. Equal opportunity. I love them all. Uh, I am not not Army specific. Look, this is this is a real risk. Tony, you know this as someone who's who, who's a great patriot. This is an important. The military is an important American institution, wholly apart from its role to fight and defend our wars. If we undermine it by 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 examples, right by the things they're teaching kids at the Air Force Academy that you can't use the words mom or dad or terrorist, by putting diversity, equity, and inclusion training well ahead of the capacity to actually uh, fly your aircraft, drive your ship, or uh, shoot your M1 tank, th- th- those are those are cultural heritage losses that are really hard to get back for an institution that has always been a pillar where merit would be rewarded, where it didn't matter the color of your skin. None none of that made a darn, right? We we wanted to find the best soldiers, the best sailors, the best airmen, and now we've put this this gender ideology, this this anti-racist campaign in front of our soldiers. It, It will not only undermine our military's capabilities today, but as you suggested, young kids who are thinking about going to the recruiter station and say, take me. Uh, who want to just fight and serve are going to be much less likely to want to do so. Well, when you combine all of this together, when you've got these vaccine mandates, which are now proving to be uh, ineffective at best and harmful in some cases to uh, men and women in that age category, then and then this wokeness, this ideology that's being thrust upon them, essentially to hate a country they want to, you to protect, I mean, it just... It's showing up, I think, in the numbers. Again, the, the Army 15% short in their recruiting numbers. That's on top of uh, the end of last year. So, I, I mean, what do they see as the way forward here? Uh, look, I think it is uh, an attempt by the progressive left to undermine one more central institution, right? They came for our universities. They came for our schools, our K-12 schools. Um, they're doing it in our churches and our synagogues. You've seen that too, Tony. You've talked about it on your show a whole lot. Uh, the increasing secularization of America. I think this is just another place that they're they're coming after the Judeo-Christian heritage of our country. I uh, I was I'm so mindful of something President Biden told a group of Marines at the very beginning of his time. He said the most important thing you'll do during your time in service is work on climate change, and yeah, that's so that's just indicative of the fact that these 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 young people who join our military do so to actually deliver, to fly their planes, to, to deliver good outcomes and fight our wars. They're, they're happy to work on climate change in their spare time, but it is not why someone joins the United States right. military. And if we if we lose sight of that, if we forget the central thesis of what our military is designed to do and impose, whether it's the mandates or this ideology on these young people, we'll lose the bubble. And our army, our military, our Marines will lose its capacity to win, wage and win our wars as well. Well, in the ad that uh, you have uh, recently launched, you mentioned the pronouns. I mean, back during the month of June, when China was launching a new aircraft carrier, the Navy was launching an ad campaign teaching sailors how to use the proper pronouns. 
I mean, this is this is stuff that you would see, you know, you would think you'd see on Saturday Night Live, but this is actually what our military is focused on, completely oblivious to the threats that exist out there in a very dangerous world. I saw it, Tony, firsthand, not only in that ad, which is, you're right, it is almost self-parody, um, but I, I saw it in my time of service as the Secretary of State and the CIA Director to these these social justice warriors that are inside the gates, that are inside our bureaucracies, that are working to undermine these institutions and, and, and their traditional, their classic, the, the heritage of these institutions are, are truly at risk of taking down these important organizations. And we can't let that happen. That's why I'm engaged in this fight. It's why um, we've asked people to tell us their stories, their experiences. We've had over 200 people already send us some of the most harrowing stories you can imagine about what they experienced in their time in service. And we'll, we'll post, repost some of those online. It's important that we call this out. It's important that our senior military leaders don't permit this to happen. And it is even more important that our senior political leaders make sure that our military is not infected in this way. Uh, final question for you, uh, Mike. How can people get you their story? Where do they need to go? The best place to go is to CavPack.com. That's Charlie Alpha Victor, Papa Alpha Charlie, CavPack.com. Go there. There's a place to go see uh, what others have said, what ads we put online that talk about this and why it matters, and post their own story and tell, tell the American people why it is this matters so much to them as well. And this is the final question. We're up against a break. Can we reverse this? Yes, of course. You know we can, Tony. It'll take hard work. It'll take determination. It'll take a little bit of time. But good leaders and prayer often can solve things that seem insurmountable. All right. Well, we're going to talk more about that in the days ahead. Mike Pompeo, great to have you on. Thank you, Tony. All right. Stick around. Franklin Graham is next. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that first by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. 
To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldviews monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose. Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us on this Monday. Uh, as we were just talking with former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo about the direction of our military and how that can be changed, really must be changed if we value our security as a nation. Uh, how can we change these things? He mentioned we did, we've got to pray and we've got to work. And so we need to pray, we need to vote, and we need to stand for these truths. And so I want to, I'm going to challenge you. Many of you, a hundred of you already taken uh, the pledge to pray, vote and stand. If you'd like to take that pledge to pray for our nation, there's so much to pray for right now, but also to pledge to vote, to vote biblical values come November and pledge to stand for truth, regardless, wherever the Lord has placed you. I want you to take that pledge. Join me, text the word pledge to six, seven, seven, four, two. That's the word pledge to six, seven, seven, four, two. And you'll get a link and you can take that pledge. All right, as we've been talking about Hurricane Ian's devastating toll on Florida will be felt for years to come. You know, I, I know firsthand how a disaster like this affects a community, and it has lasting effects. And it, you know, long after the media attention is gone, people are still piecing their lives back together. And we need to be praying for those affected by this storm. Joining me now to discuss the work that his team and others are doing on the ground to provide support and encouragement for those in need is Franklin Graham, president of Samaritan's Purse. Franklin, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. Good to be with you. Uh, The pictures that I've seen, I haven't been to Florida, but the pictures I've seen and the reports I've gotten, and this is a devastating uh, storm. What, uh, What is your team seeing and experiencing on the ground there in Florida? Uh, Tony, we're set up in two locations. Uh, we're set up in Inglewood uh, at uh, a Baptist church up there, Calvary Baptist, and then in Fort Myers, we're at uh, uh, Christian Gates uh, Ministries. And uh, we're going to be up in Punta Gorda uh, by Wednesday. We'll be set up there. We already have uh, volunteers on the ground. We're already uh, helping homeowners. Uh, we've got about 500 and some work orders already. Uh, in the next few weeks, they'll grow to the probably several thousand work orders or more. But uh, these volunteers come in, uh, and we provide the tools, and they provide the muscle. And so we provide the management. And we certainly could not do this without this army of volunteers, these uh, men and women who come, who are willing to come down for a day. 
Uh, some come down for uh, a week or more, but uh, we, we need volunteers. And, you know, Tony, a person can go to our website, SamaritansPurse.org, and they can see where, where to volunteer. Um, and we, we try to manage those volunteers and spread it out so that we don't have a 1,000 volunteers show up at one time. Uh, we try to spread it out so that we have a steady workforce uh, for weeks to come. Uh, and it's actually going to be for, for months to come. This this place is a mess. And it's, and so many retired people there, Tony. And these, these are people who have fixed right. incomes. And, and some of them have uh, no insurance. Uh, you, you just... You you think for sure they would have insurance, but they don't because insurance rates have gone up so much uh, in the last few years that these these retirement communities, many of them just cannot afford uh, flood insurance and things like that. And so uh, now now they're caught uh, with nothing, and we want to do all that we can, uh, Tony, to try to help them. Well, and and also that's just it's overwhelming. Having been through many of these uh, a num- number of times in Louisiana, people are just overwhelmed. They don't know where to start. And I tell you, Samaritan's Purse coming in, other ministries like that is just it, it brings hope. And then of course you're teamed up with uh, Billy Graham Ministries there on the ground, the chaplains that are ministering to the spiritual needs. So. What I like about Samaritan's Purse, not only are they well-organized, no one wastes any of their time. You put everybody to, to work in, a, in an area where they can work, but you're also ministering to the whole needs of the person. And it's, it's so encouraging to a community when Samaritan's Purse comes in. Well, it, it's important, Tony, because the spiritual is the most important. You know, Samaritan's Purse people sometimes call us a humanitarian organization. And to be honest with you, I, I, I hate that uh, we're an evangelistic organization that happens to do uh, humanitarian work. And uh, we, we want to come in and, and minister to the spiritual needs of the people. Sure, we want to fix their roof. We want to uh, mud out their house. We want to cut the trees off uh, their property that have fallen. We want to do that. We want to be the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus Christ in this situation. But the most important job that we have is the spiritual part of it, uh, uh, ministering to them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, sharing the hope that we have. Uh, and that hope is in Jesus Christ, who took our sins to the cross. He died and shed his blood for our sins, and, and uh, he was buried for our sins, and God raised him to life. And if we are willing to turn, repent, and believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and trust him as our Savior, God will forgive our sins and heal our hearts. And, you know, when you, when you come through a storm like this, we need an anchor. And that Lord, right. Je- and the Lord Jesus Christ is an anchor that we can hang on to. And he'll take us from this world safely. Uh, right into the next world one day to be with him for eternity. And so uh, in the storms like this, uh, people sometimes are are wondering, is God mad at us? Uh, Why did God do this to us? Well, we all go through storms, and it's just part of life, and it's part of the sin uh, world that we live in, uh, the fallen world. And this wasn't God's intention at the beginning, but when man sinned and sin came into the world, we, we, we were living in a broken world. And uh, we want to love people, and we want to be the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when someone goes through this, everything's taken away. They begin to focus on those things that matter, and that's where they're often open to that gospel uh, message. Uh, We're almost out of time, Franklin. How can our listeners and viewers support the work that you're doing, either as volunteers or, or giving resources to help in the work there? 
Well, we certainly uh, need financial support, uh, and uh, we need people's prayers. I, I think that's probably the most important is prayers. We need to uh, uh, pray for our teams and, and pray for the people that we're ministering to, that they'll be open uh, to the gospel message. Well, I am praying, and I will encourage our folks to pray for you. As always, I appreciate greatly the work of Samaritan's Purse and for your leadership. And thanks so much, Franklin, for joining us today. Well, thank you, Tony. And, folks, I would encourage you to uh, support Samaritan's Purse. Maybe you can go down and help. Uh, maybe you're, you'd like to do that. I, I'm telling you, everything is so well organized. You won't waste any time. They have a place for you to stay. Uh, they'll feed you, and you go out and do the work. And it's all organized and structured uh, tremendously well. If you can't go, support them. Our family financially supports Samaritan's Purse. Uh, it's one of about six or seven ministries that we support because I've seen them in action. And I know that my money is well used. It's not my money. It's the Lord's money. But they use it. They're good stewards. And it does make a difference. I tell you, when they were uh, housed at our church, when uh, we went through the flood in 2016, we baptized over 100 people as a result of their ministry. All right, folks, don't go away. More Washington Watch on the other side of the break. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. There's contact information there for Samaritan's Purse. If you didn't get that, also contact information for Mike Pompeo's organization as well. California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a law last Thursday that is a direct 
an intentional assault on parental rights. Under Senate Bill 107, the state of California can remove children from the custody of their parents if the parents do not support a child's gender transition. Children will have access to puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and gender surgeries regardless of a parent's wishes, medical advice, or even the law of other states. They're enticing kids whose parents obviously will not support the mutilation of their bodies to leave their states and travel to California, where California will become a sanctuary city for these trans transgender procedures. Joining me now to uh, discuss this is Jonathan Keller, president of the California Family Council. Jonathan, welcome back to Washington Watch. Hey, Tony, always good to be with you and all the viewers. Now, this is a a multi-page bill. I think it's like 92 pages long. So um, that was a quick overview. Uh, Tell us more about this law and exactly what it does and why it is such a gross uh, attack on parental rights. Well, absolutely. Uh, first off, as you mentioned, Tony, this is from Governor Gavin Newsom, and it is an example of how he is not just going after children in the womb before they are born, but he's going after them in their high school and teenage years as well, essentially saying that if you are struggling with gender dysphoria, California knows what's best. California knows better than your parents. They know better than the doctors in your state. And they are essentially inviting people to come here for the purposes of these irreversible uh, medical procedures. I don't even really want to call them health care because they are violating really the first rule of the Hippocratic Oath, which is do no harm. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of wording in this bill, but Really, the key things to realize is that this was initially conceived in response to states like Florida and Texas, who were trying to protect children in their states. They were trying to push back and say that parents should not be able to commit irreversible medical mutilations, honestly, on their children. And yet California, specifically Senator Scott Weiner and Governor Gavin Newsom, are again saying as long as a child can make it here to California, they will disregard the custody decisions of those other states, and they will allow those children to begin those transition procedures. Now, I've already spoken to some state attorneys general, and uh, I, 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 this is not going to go unchallenged. But I want to, I want to hit one point on this that is so becomes so characteristic of the left, kind of this gaslighting. Governor Newsom framed this as a parental rights issue and actually sign his, in his signing letter saying, quote, parents know what's best for their kids and they should be able to make decisions around the health of their children without fear. We must take a stand for parental choice. That is precisely why I'm signing Senate Bill 107. How in the world can he say that when this is a direct attack on parental rights? Tony, you're absolutely right. I mean, gaslighting barely begins to describe it. He he is absolutely lying flat out to parents, not just here in California, but to parents across the country. I mean, remember, this is the same governor. This is the same administration that kept schools closed for the better part of the last two years. 
over the objections of parents, over the objections of families that knew they didn't need to be subject to these crazy COVID lockdowns. This is the same governor that is telling minors they can get abortions behind the backs of their parents. Parents don't only not have consent, they don't even have notification in the state of California. So it really is just maddening that he would use the language of parental rights and parental choice to try to basically, being honest, further his campaign for president in 2024. I I really think that's what this is about. Well, I mean, he supports parental rights as long as the parents subscribe to his radical ideology. Then he's all for those parents. If they happen to disagree, then in his mind, they have no rights. Um, This is being funded by taxpayers in the state of California. I mean, the cost of living in California is exorbitant. Do you think taxpayers actually support this idea? You know, I really don't think they do. And the thing that's been fascinating, Tony, is that there's a lot of issues in California that I think people who live here, it's just one thing after the other. And sometimes people get so fed up, they just kind of shrug their shoulders and throw up their hands. But we've really seen people come out of the woodwork in opposition to this bill in particular, both nationally and in our own state. Because I do think that in all reality, parents do support parental rights here in California. Parents do think they know what's best for their own children. And I don't think any parent, even parents in California, want their tax dollars to be used to separate parents from their own children and to tell those parents, sorry, Gavin Newsom knows what's best for your child, not you who (laughs) conceived and gave birth to your child, who have raised them into uh, adolescence. I do think that a lot of parents are going to look at this and say this is a step too far, even for a crazy state like California. I I certainly hope you're right. But this I do know, Jonathan, this is not the end of this debate. Uh, You're going to see the first time you have a child go from a state like Oklahoma, Louisiana, Missouri or one of these state red states. There will be a lawsuit, I can uh, assure you. Jonathan, thanks for the great work you guys do in California. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Tony. God bless. Pray for those guys in California. You know, Jonathan does a great job out there, but it's uh, it's uh, hard work. All right, coming up, we've seen the physical attacks on pregnancy resource centers, but now there's cyber attacks. We're going to talk about that and what the DOJ is doing to protect them or not after the break. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com.
With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make the difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Since last May, we've seen attacks on pregnancy resource centers and other pro-life organizations at an unprecedented scale. They are a part of a wave of violence and lawlessness that the left has unleashed on the nation. But now, in addition to the physical attacks, the firebombings, the vandalism, cyber attacks are the latest threat to these Christian ministries and churches. Now, some congressional leaders recognize this and are calling on the Department of Justice to do something. Joining me now to discuss this is Congressman James Comer. He serves as the ranking member on the House Committee on Oversight and Reform and also serves on the House Committee on Education and Labor. He represents Kentucky's first district. Congressman Comer, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me on. Now, you've inquired about this, asking if the Department of Justice is doing something and encouraging them to look into that. What, what have you found out? Well, of course, we haven't found anything out, unfortunately, and this is very concerning, not just because this is another attack on conservative free speech, but it's also an instance where we've seen where many uh, fundraising websites for conservative causes have been attacked at a time when there are many states like Kentucky that have pro-life amendments and referendums on the ballot. So uh, this is something that uh, should be a priority for the Department of Justice. And we want to know exactly what they're doing. My fear is they're doing nothing. Uh, But we certainly want to put them on notice. Uh, We believe that change is coming uh, after the November midterm election. So uh, we're anxious to hear back from the Department of Justice. 
You've in some cases you had uh, the the targeting of the violence. You had Jane's Revenge, mm-hmm. which was posting things. They they were very visible. And then you actually have this uh, guy calling himself a cyber terrorist who is actually out posting videos saying I'm responsible for attack. And he goes down the list of different ministries that he has attacked. But the mm-hmm. question is. Why is it the Department of Justice doing something about that when someone is actually out there posting this thing? Yeah, I'm responsible. Do something. That's a great question. It's very sad that we even have to ask this question. We should know exactly what the Department of Justice is doing, because uh, after this instance, they should have had a press conference. They should have uh, reached out to conservative Christian organizations all over America, conservative Christian leaders like yourself, and said, we want you to know this is exactly what we're doing. We consider this. A priority. Uh, this should not stand. Uh, this is another attack on free speech. This is a, a threat of potential violence. Uh, this is something that uh, could certainly harm conservative groups moving forward. And we take this very seriously and we're going to go and we're going to do A, B, and C. But once again, we hear crickets pertaining to anything that would uh, relate to any type of uh, conservative Christian organization from this administration. Now, now Congressman, you serve on the Education Committee. You don't think that the administration that's calling parents who show up to school board meetings domestic terrorists, or at least agree- agreeing with that sentiment, that they're actually going to step forward and protect the free speech of Christians in this country? I don't think they're going to do anything for the next 45 days uh, and probably 30 days after that. But in January, I think anyone in the Biden administration Uh, realizes that there's going to be a Republican majority in the House and that uh, at that point, committees like mine have subpoena authority. Uh, We've reached out to the Department of Justice on a host of issues. Jim Jordan, who will hopefully be chairman of the Judiciary Committee, he's also on the Oversight Committee. We do a lot of stuff together uh, from Oversight and Judiciary, requesting information from Merrick Garland and this Department of Justice on a whole host of issues, many of which involve uh, direct attacks against conservative speech and conservative organization. And to date, this administration has provided absolutely zero answers to our question. So uh, it's not like we're asking a, a complicated question. We're asking, are you doing your job? And thus far, the, the answer is a big no. Hi, I go back to the Obama administration where we had something very similar with the attorney general uh, not really wanting to do much as it pertained to conservatives. Um, But as I see it, if the Republicans are aggressive enough in pursuing these hearings, it's going to tie up the Biden administration in knots because they're going to have to contend with the Republicans in the House. And I would imagine that anytime they want to get something done, that you guys are going to say, hey, we need answers. And I, I would hope that the Republicans are not going to roll over, you know, when mm-hmm. some of these must pass or these spending bills, that all of this will be looked at in its totality. I hope so, too. I hope it, Bray, you're right. Uh, there are many of us in the conference that have spoken up and made sure that leadership's well aware that we don't just want to talk about the problem. We want to actually try to solve the problem. We want to hold this administration accountable, and we expect people uh, that have uh, done wrong to be held accountable. And I think the American people are expecting that. That's why hopefully in 40 days they're going to you know, vote for a complete uh, party change in, in majority in the House of Representatives. So uh, this is something that I think every conservative has gotten the message loud and clear in Washington, 
that the American people expect us to do what we say we're going to do. And that's always been a problem in, in the past. So hopefully we, the leadership this time around has gotten the message. You know, we're going to have pretty much new leadership all the way around in the House of Representatives from what we had uh, six years ago when Paul Ryan was speaker. You have, you have all new committee chairs. You're going to have certainly a new leadership team. And I can say this in, in conference meetings that are behind closed doors, the leadership team has, has gotten the message from the members of Congress who we've gotten the message from the American people. They expect to see some results in a Republican majority. I know that to be true as well from my conversations, and I know that you have fought consistently to uh, to uphold the law and to defend the people of of this country, and so grateful for that. And uh, Congressman Comer, thanks for coming on today as well. Thank you for having me on. All right, uh, Congressman Comer of uh, Kentucky, and he's he's right. Uh, new leadership, and and by the way, you know the Washington Watch. We do not uh, support or oppose candidates. We just bring to you the issues and what's happening uh, across this country. But I will challenge you to pray, vote, and stand, to pray for these elections, because a lot is at stake coming up, and to vote biblical values, and then to stand for truth. And take somebody with you. You know, talk to family and friends. Make sure they're registered and voting. Don't let them give in to the media's discouragement or the suppression of the Christian vote that the, the left is engaged in. Don't fall for that. Pray, vote, and stand. Take that pledge. Text the word pledge to 67742. Okay, I want to switch gears here a little bit. The anti-Christian group Freedom From Religion Foundation revealed their desperation after losing their crusade to remove prayer from a Texas courtroom. Texas Judge Wayne Mack has a program of voluntary prayer in his courtroom where members of the local clergy, regardless of their denomination or religion, can open the court with prayer. Now, the Fifth Circuit said Judge Mack had done nothing wrong, to which the Freedom From Religion Foundation folks slammed the ruling as a Christian nationalist interpretation of the Constitution. Now, isn't it interesting how that term keeps coming up? You would think it was by design. Uh, by the way, those guys need to check with the Jewish rabbi and the Muslim cleric who were a part of the opening prayer. I guess they're Christian nationalists, too. And by the way, let me remind you, coming up at the town hall meeting October the 12th, on this topic, Christian nationalism, what, what is it? And why all of a sudden is it being used? You can join us in this nationwide town hall meeting. I mean, you text the word town hall, that's one word, town hall to 67742, and you'll get updates on how you can be a part of that town hall meeting on on October the 12th. All right, here to share more on this uh, good news coming out of the Fifth Circuit in Texas is uh, First Liberty Institute Special Counsel for Litigation and Communication and host of the First Liberty Briefing, Jeremy Dice. Jeremy, welcome back to the program. Thanks so much for having me. Good to be with you, Tony. All right, so uh, first first off, what did I miss? Break it down, fill in the blanks that uh, I didn't cover in this case with uh, Judge Mack. Uh, you got it pretty good. Uh, look, uh, Judge Mac has had this practice in his courtroom. Uh, it kind of dates back to the issue or to the time when he was the, the county coroner, which is what he is at the same time as being the justice of the peace there in that county. And so he's been called out to a lot of really grisly scenes. I mean, car accidents, drownings, murders, things that are really, really bad. And every time he was there, he would realize that there are people that are grieving, that are hurt, that are in a lot of pain over the 
perhaps the worst experience that they will ever encounter in their lifetime or could perhaps ever encounter uh, at any time. And, uh, you know, he could do the law thing and make sure that he's doing the coroner thing correctly, but really didn't do anything to touch upon the, the real spiritual hurt that was uh, being affected by the, the victims' families that were that were left there. And so he just put a call out to the community to see if anybody would be willing to come and be on call for uh, whenever he would receive that call at 2, 3, 4 in the morning, uh, that they would come out and provide that level of concern and care for members of the community uh, as a chaplain. And so they did. A lot of people showed up. You had Baptist pastors and Presbyterian pastors, Catholic priests, and eventually you'd also have Jewish rabbis, Muslim imams, and Buddhist officials as well coming out there willing to give of their time to care for people in their greatest hour of need. And as a way to say thank you to that, Judge Mack introduced a a ceremony of uh, part of his opening ceremony of his courtroom to thank them and give them a chance to say whatever was on their heart to say. And most of the time, they would use that as an opportunity to issue a word of prayer. Uh, And so you're right. About seven years ago, the Freedom from Religion Foundation got upset by this, filed a lawsuit, actually filed a complaint with the Judicial Ethics Commission first, and then a lawsuit. And, uh, you know, here we are seven years later, only to find out what we all knew at the beginning, which was that uh, this is something we've been doing in our country since even before we were officially a country. We've been praying in our, as a part of our public meetings, and zero people should be concerned or surprised by this. I mean, this is very similar to what happens every morning in Congress, uh, where you have a chaplain, but oftentimes, and I've actually done it, I've been asked uh, as a, a minister to open the Congress in prayer. And so it's, you know, across the board, voluntary uh, that happens. I mean, this, as you said, this is rooted deeply in our history. So according to the Freedom From Religion Foundation, then our Congress is a Christian nationalist organization as well? <laughs> you know, that term is just filled with uh, zero meaning. I, I don't even know what it would actually pretend to mean. But I know that the Freedom From Religion Foundation is keen on driving religion out of the public square wherever it would find itself. And that would include taking on such losing missions as removing the practice of uh, prayer before legislative meetings, administrative meetings uh, all across the country. I know they've lost on that issue here with Judge Mack. Uh, This is the second time the the Fifth Circuit has had to address this issue with them. And now I hope this will be the final time that this just puts it finally to rest. Uh, They've lost it at the Supreme Court on this issue when it comes to city councils and county commissions meeting. They've lost before the Supreme Court of the United States when it came to legislatures like Congress or uh, state legislatures uh, hiring chaplains to, to open their meetings with prayer. Uh, they keep on losing because the history and tradition of our country reminds us that this is something that is very precious to us as a country, something we've done for, for ages. And the way that we respect religion in this country is not to ban its presence, but in other words, to, but to uh, and instead celebrate it and to tolerate its presence within our public, uh, even our public meetings. But, but Jeremy, they keep bringing these lawsuits, even though they keep losing, is because there's an intimidation factor here. They want to intimidate uh, judges like Judge Mack or legislators or governors to just kind of, you know, I don't need this controversy. And so I'm just going to step back. I'm not going to do this. And thank God. And I literally mean that. Thank God for organizations like First Liberty that are willing to step up and walk alongside men and women like Judge Mack, legislators, governors, whomever, who are just exercising their First Amendment freedom. And you win almost all of these cases, but here's the thing. You've got to have people that are willing to stand up, face a little heat, but in the end, 
they'll win if they will stand. No, you're exactly right. And you're very kind to, to say such nice things about First Liberty Institute. And yes, we pride ourselves on winning a nine out of 10 of the cases we get involved with. And so we're going to win these cases. It's just a matter of how long it takes to win them at times. But you're more right to say that unless we have our clients, we're nothing. You know, uh, freedom is something that is very precious in this country. And we think that sometimes we have to be the one to, you know, to uh, to go overseas and pick up a, a rifle and bayonet and stand at guard to to make sure that our freedoms were protected. And perhaps some of us will be called to do that very thing. I know you did, Tony, and thank you for it. But uh, more often than not, freedom is something that will die a very slow death through a million different cuts. And it's just a couple different decisions that you make about deciding whether or not you're going to take a stand for freedom. You know, Coach Kennedy, for instance, he could very easily have walked off that field and no one would have even known his name. But to, because he stood up for our religious freedom, you and I are more free today because of it all. Judge Mack. He could have simply put away uh, this chaplaincy program or uh, done it in some other way as to avoid the ire of the Freedom from Religion Foundation. But he chose not to, because if he backed away from that, a little part of our freedom would have died with that. If you are one of our clients, fantastic. I don't know that you'll ever be called to be that. But the way you and I can defend freedom is real simple. Go home tonight, have dinner with your kids and tell them what freedom actually means. Yeah, we we preserve our freedom by using our freedom and uh, we should never surrender that freedom. Jeremy Dice, always great to see you. Congratulations uh, once again on a job well done. Thank you, my friend. Take care. All right. And, and, and folks, these ministries like, and I call them ministries because they're defending our freedoms, defending our freedoms as Christians in this country, First Liberty, Alliance Defending Freedom, Liberty Council, all these, they're deserving of your support and your prayers. And you need to be willing to stand. This is what we talk about in our pledge. Pray, vote, and then stand. We've got to be willing to stand for those freedoms. So take that pledge to uh, pray, vote, and stand. Text the word pledge to 67742. And mark your calendars again for the town hall meeting coming up on October the 12th. We'll be at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. That'll be at 7 p.m. Eastern time. But you'll be able to watch it across the country. More details to come on that. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 7234.